Hello and welcome to Adam Analyzes. My name is Adam and I'll be your host. Hopefully everyone is doing great out there. I'm doing okay myself. Anyway, I think we should go ahead and announce the movie. This is the 2021 Netflix original, Lee Janiak directed Fear Street, Part 1, 1994. The Fear Street book series started back in 1989. This is a book series started by R.L. Stein, which predates the Goosebumps, which I would say is probably his more popular work. The Fear Street book series was also directed at a older audience, as it's a young adult, as opposed to maybe Goosebumps being more elementary school. I have dove into a few of the Fear Street books. None of them really caught me. I guess I couldn't relate to them too much as far as the teen drama throughout them. But even though I was not a fan, I do know that it was a very popular book series amongst some of my fellow classmates in middle school. Me personally, I went from Goosebumps to reading the works of Stephen King. So I moved on from the juvenile books to adult books. Fear Street was also a series that was spun off for younger readers with the R.L. Stein's Ghosts of Fear Street. I believe that took on more of a supernatural take on some of the things. The only thing it had in common was that it took place in the same street as the young adult Fear Street books. I almost forgot, I think those Ghosts of Fear Street books were not actually written by R.L. Stein, but written by other authors with R.L. Stein's name on it. So apparently he was doing his best James Patterson impression here. This was also rebooted in the early 2000s, so it's a series that was definitely popular and had an enduring quality, even if it wasn't something that was exactly for me. Considering many different movie studios as well as streaming services are always looking for the next big thing, it kind of made sense for Netflix to go ahead and commission three Fear Street films. We get a trilogy of movies that are all linked and interconnected, but don't really have anything to do with the books other than being inspired by the books. I think it was probably a wise choice to go this route. I know the Goosebumps films probably have done this as well, with Jack Black playing R.L. Stein, which is weird to me. This one takes a little bit of a different approach. It's not really an anthology, outside of it being a anthology movie series. I really do think it works in its favor. It allows them to be creatively true to the source material, as well as allow the filmmakers to do their own thing. Even more surprising about this film series is that it's rated R. It's not a very hard R, but there is one moment in this one that is pretty gory and surprising. I wasn't expecting that level of gore from this film, but we got it. It took us a while to get there though. Most of the kills are relatively bloodless. Yes, there's blood flying and such, but it really is a movie that you could watch with a teenage audience or maybe even a slightly younger and be okay with it. Just like the scary stories to tell in the dark from a few years previous, this one is a good gateway horror film for younger audiences. Even though it has that young adult feel to it, that doesn't mean that adults can't watch this and have a good time with it. It's not a great movie by any stretch, it's not a great slasher, but what it is, is it's simply fun. Would this movie have actually 
made its way to a theater? I don't know. I don't think it's really theater worthy. But for being on a streaming service that's included with your Netflix subscription, it's almost perfect entertainment. I'd even go so far to say that this is a good Halloween type of film. And I don't mean Halloween in the series. I'll get to that a little bit later. What I mean as far as a fun film that you can watch with some of your older kids and have a good time with. The best way to describe this film is actually being a supernatural slasher film. So it makes it a little bit different. The overall story involves the curse of the town of Shadyside with its dark history of killing witch Sarah Fear. And that's Fear, F-I-E-R, not F-E-A-R. Even though, yes, I totally get where they were going with that. Anyway, the witch was executed, buried, and once you know, her bones are pretty close to the ground, even though this happened back in 1666. Nice. If you disturb those bones, along with having some convenient fresh blood, Sarah Fear is going to have her possessed zombie-like killers come after you. That's right, you'll be put on a hit list. So this whole idea of the cursed town along with the different elements coming into play, I can't help but feel that this is similar to the book of scary stories from the film Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. That's how they were able to make their anthology film without it being a true anthology film. Who knows if we'll get a sequel to that, but it is a very similar plot device between the two movies. They couldn't be any different, but they do share some pretty close similarities. As a matter of fact, there is a ton of references to other popular horror films such as Scream and Halloween. It almost straight up rips off those films. I think I'd have to say the opening is really great. It gave me that Scream vibe without actually ripping anything off of Scream. The actual one killer though, instead of having the ghost face mask, he has a skull mask. Halloween is actually another story as it practically does rip it off. There's a fine line between homage and copy. I'd say the movie crossed both lines, but overall the movie's fun, so I'm gonna let it slide simply because the movie is fun. It's just a little too on the nose for my liking. One of the first things that I noticed was the amount of popular songs from the 90s. They really wanted to drive the point home that it's 1994. Pick a popular song from that time, whether it's Nine Inch Nails' Closer, Radiohead's Creep, Bush's Machine Head, Iron Maiden's Fear of the Dark. Pick a song, it's here. It honestly worked on me. But then again, it worked when I heard the mention at the beginning with the bookstore in the mall being a B. Dalton. I haven't thought about B. Dalton in quite a while, but this movie kind of brought it back. I was disappointed that I didn't get to see more stores that no longer exist. That's one of the things that I enjoyed about Stranger Things. If I had to actually say about it, this movie does have a bit of a Stranger Things setup with the kid adventure type of thing that they were going for. As far as the young cast, they do look like they are slightly older than what they're supposed to be, but overall they were alright. It was a bit of a surprise to see Maya Hawk in this film. She's one of the new fan favorites from Stranger Things. It's actually impressive that she doesn't really last too long. In some ways, it kind of reminds me of how Drew Barrymore had her cameo in Scream. She was the biggest actor probably in that film, yet she didn't last very long, but she was iconic. 
that's an iconic opening to a horror film. I don't think Fear Street has quite the iconic opening, but it is awesome. If I had any real complaints about this movie, it's the fact that it feels padded. It's padded out a little bit to incorporate some of the teen drama. The character of the cop, I think he's overall wasted. He doesn't really do a whole lot, so any scenes with him in this film are just kind of fluff. All the teen drama stuff, it didn't really work. Maybe it'll work on a younger viewer, but I didn't really care about any of the kids if they got killed or not. Surprisingly, they don't all make it. I was thinking that they would with this movie, trying to make like a almost Stranger Things in a film form with the kids trying to figure out what's going on. But no, we only get maybe about one or two survivors. So with that, I'm going to say it's pretty impressive that they had the guts to actually kill off some of the main characters. They were kind of film fodder anyway, so it doesn't really matter at this point. It's just kind of a gutsy move, specifically because I thought that they would all be in the sequels. While for me, this movie is genuinely a mixed bag, I will say that I had a good enough time with it that I'll probably be checking out the second and third in the series. Mostly because I want to see how they're going to end it. And it has an interesting setup as far as the movies themselves to continue on with the different time periods. As far as presentation, this is probably the best thing Netflix could have done with releasing one Fear Street film throughout the three weeks. It's a pretty cool way to do things. I do know that the film anthology series Into the Dark by Blumhouse that's on Hulu kind of did the similar idea, but it wasn't a overarching story. That is one thing that I do have to congratulate the filmmakers. They set out to make a trilogy of films interlocking. From what I see, it may be a pretty tight interlocking as far as the overall cinematic universe, if we want to call it that. But yeah, even though it didn't 100% work or click with me, it's worth checking out. I'm going to close out tonight's episode. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam underscore analyzes. Also, if you don't do the whole social media thing, you can go ahead and drop me an email at adamanalyzespodcast at gmail.com. If you need to catch up on past episodes, you can do so at adamanalyzes.com. And if you do have a free moment, I would greatly appreciate it if you would leave a five-star rating at the podcast listening platform of your choice. It'll allow me to reach new listeners as well as continue making new content. Plus, I simply love those digital hugs. And besides, if you're enjoying this podcast, why not tell a friend? But with that being said, be kind and good night.